Well, I must congratulate you. You you just mm-hmm. about redeemed it at the end of the day yesterday when you said, "Oh, by the way, happy birthday." I mm. I thought you had completely forgotten. I was preparing a serious tirade <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Um, here's one of the things I have given up for Lent is uh, birthday cards. So, uh, <laughs> joke's on you, because actually I'm holier. Uh, well, there you are. Do you know what I have to say to that? <laughs> I can guess, but we'll start the show instead. OK. <laughs> everybody hang on haven't you got my notes open oh um, for heaven's sake no listen do not lecture me about technological issues oh, today don't, my friend don't. it's been one of the worst days ever in fact i'm yes. going to say that is that ranks alongside my worst technological day ever i think it Does may it? have been yeah it's dreadful so shall i tell the listener oh, do you want do to know you, and then not I'll do the intro after that. Okay, right. Well, here's what happened. So I go and visit a grieving family and I do as I always do. Now, this is going to get technical here, but I'll be brief. I create a document on my home computer that then via the gift of Word and OneDrive uh, syncs to my laptop, which is the thing I take to the family. I take lots of notes on the order of service. I do the eulogy. I hear all the story Mm. of the deceased. I come back. And what happens is the new document being the the newest version, then automatically syncs via the gift of OneDrive to my computer. And I type up. Mm. Except Mm. this time, it didn't. What actually happened was it synced the old document over the top of it and there was absolutely no recovering. I didn't even panic at first because I thought, it's okay. Word's so clever now. It saves various versions. There was absolutely no other version on all the various ways you go to recover files. So I, instead of recording a podcast with the lovely Nick Page, dear listener, (laughs) had to go back to a grieving family and go through the whole blooming thing again. Mm. I like to think of myself as a professional most of the time. And in nine years of celebrancy, that has never happened. But that is what has just happened. And so here I am, fresh to the podcast. You can do the intro now. I've kind of lost the will to live, really. But, uh, okay. Well, I mean, one drive giveth and one drive taketh away. Certainly does. I would say there. Uh, anyway, these things happen. And, uh, yes, well, welcome, everybody, to episode 191 yes. of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Uh, my name is Nick Page, and there is uh, Microsoft Ambassador Joe Davis. <laughs> um, the Nick Clegg of Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. I am paranoid about uh, multiple copies and backups. I never trust autosave. I do all kinds of things. You will now have everybody, by the way, sending you emails with what you should have done. Yes, I realise that. And new techniques. And, Listen, you know, I'm quite prepared to believe that in my panic, once I started mm. to realise how badly this was going, I then started to hit other things. But although I wouldn't have thought you could do anything that could totally delete a document. And the only thing you have anywhere on all the various different ways you go to recovery is an eight-hour-old document. Mm. Not the latest one, but there we go. 
Well, I mean, I can I can think of a few strategies for you, but I won't give them to you now because I don't think that would be helpful <laughs> or welcome. Anyway, I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I'm stressed. And as if that's not bad enough, I'm also old. I mean, those two go hand in hand, I guess. <laughs> well, you, yeah, but you're not as old as me. Yeah, on the plus side. Who so, is? So, you know, up yours, I would say, actually, on that one. Um, yes. Well, did you have a nice birthday, by the way? Do you know, did you I, enjoy d- it? Yes, I had a fabulous birthday. It was lovely. I worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. um, and then the evening, uh, went to a Mexican restaurant, and then a whole load of us went to see The Duke. Uh, which okay. is a new film with Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren. And, uh, well, it's I don't want to say anything, then it's uh, an utter delight. Like, if it's escapism you need at the moment, if the world is getting you down. And I think mm. this is a valid role for cinema, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's the one I prefer. Oh, the Duke is just tremendous. Although, I, I wanted to say something. At the beginning of the, uh, you know, before it all starts, you know, a little warning comes up with the type of film you're about to watch Mm. and it came up with this warning contains moderate sex the worst kind of sex in my view (laughs) well i well that's i was wanting to know about that because it reminded me of those heady days being a single man and you know you always wondered how far you can go with one's partner without making (laughs) jesus very very angry Um, Because we know God hates sex. Um, She can just about tolerate it in marriage. But even then, Mm. I think it's frowned upon. So so I wondered if, you know, I was thinking back to the days when I wondered whether moderate sex would be all right before marriage. (laughs) Just sounds so boring, doesn't it? Really? What is moderate? I mean, maybe that's all I can hope for now. I'm 57. I don't know. I'll have to talk to Rachel. We'll have to talk this one through. Yes, uh, she'll love this conversation. I, I know, yes. Guess, in fact. Exactly. We um, need Becky back on the show. Becky, can you explain what moderate sex is to me? <laughs> I can decide if that's... Well, I remember it used to be all kinds of things when we used to have videos for the kids, you know, and, and there used to be things like uh, mild peril. Yeah. And I was thinking, what's, <laughs> yeah. what's mild? What's, what constitutes mild, yeah. Mild peril or something <laughs> How 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 much danger could you be in under mild peril? You might get a slight cut or something. Anyway, um, the film's good though. Uh, it's really good. Uh, listen, I um, I can say fairly confidently to all listeners, go along and enjoy. And perhaps the only thing that's weird about it is why isn't it a PG? And well, and the reason is because of moderate sex, but also the language in it, which has seen is it's been a bit controversial. You know, it's quite quite okay. fruity, fruity language, which just up the category. And you wonder why. Why did they? Yes. Why did the director bother? That anyway, odd. that's what it is. It's based on a true story, isn't it? It is based on a true. Incredibly, it actually is. So it's terrific. But um, yeah, I mean, again, you know, you you ask how I am, and this week I've been making. Strangely enough, I've been making a few mistakes, and I've just been thinking. I've been getting to that stage that I get to after a while without a break, where I think I can't handle another funeral. Mm. It's, it's, it's it's causing me just I'm losing my confidence and I feel all, you know, like I can't do this and insecure and all the rest of it. This is what happens always after about five months. So I was thinking, I was thinking, oh, you know, could really do with a break and a holiday. And then you think, oh, God, what first world problems? Shut up, mm. Joe. You know, yeah. you see what's going on in the world and you're actually thinking about how much you'd like a holiday. And it's just that whole tension, which I'd love to yeah. talk to you about sometimes because... You know, you know, friends don't make you feel wrong for having drives and 
you know, complaining about things that might seem a little bit trivial in the big scheme. Friends support mm. you and go, oh, yeah, that's tough and that's OK. And they validate you. But I don't feel like an even it. Like there's anything valid I can say about my needs when there are people fleeing for their lives in the world. And you just think, you know, it's really brought it home this week. So how do we talk about this without seeming, I don't know, up ourselves or like, you know, are you really on this planet fretting about your little insignificant issues like a document not saving or you, do you know what I mean? It's this is tough one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that the two can coexist, you know, yes, indeed. you can be in need of uh, a rest and, you know, a, a break. And there can be horrible things going on in yes, the world. Those, those two will always be the, the the way, really. I think the danger is you can allow the um, worries about the world to actually drain all the joy mm. out of your your own. Yes, life. indeed. And I'm not sure how that really helps in the in the long run. No, really. Um, it seems to me that you know we have to keep a, a, a the light of joy and hope shining, yeah. really. Yes, I, I completely agree with you. Um, we will discuss this further, I'm quite certain, as the sure. weeks unfold. Anyway, how are you? Let's talk about you. Well, obviously, uh, yesterday I went to an Ash Wednesday service of penitence and I didn't go out to a Mexican restaurant, if I may drain the joy out of your life <laughs> further uh, for a moment in the name of the Lord. <laughs> Thank you. I may feel I, that rebuke. That's good. I, I, I think a joy-draining rebuke is always welcome. I think it's always good when you realise you're not just disappointing to your friends, but the Almighty <laughs> as well. <laughs> so thank you for that helpful reminder. Well, I'm probably more disappointed in you than he is. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, I, yeah, Ash Wednesday service yesterday, which was very moving. I always find that quite moving. Mm. Um, was there Ash? Something about the, um, yes, yes. Good, the, yeah, the, yeah. I can't, what's it called? Is it called the no? It's not, I can't remember what it's called. The imposition. Ah, oh, I think it's called the imposition of the ashes. Okay. Where they sort of put a cross on your head mm. in uh, ash. I find it quite good because it's it's it's. I like embodied stuff. I like yeah. it. I like uh, that uh, sensory thing. I, um, like, I imagine it's good for your skin as well. Uh, well, I I moisturise anyway, oh, okay. so you know, obviously, if I didn't wash off the ash properly, I would get a very <laughs> sooty forehead um do they so, let it cool down first or is it hot yeah yeah they don't stub a cigarette into your forehead well, well i don't you know i'm not an anglican am i <laughs> just thinking? a baptist we do watery stuff we don't play with fire the way you do <laughs> do you know what I mean you think the the vicar's up there smoking a cigar and i'm just going to tap out the, the ash on your head no, I don't think that. I think they come in with their light lantern, waving stuff around with smoke no. billowing well, out of it. Now you've gone orthodox. And then maybe they they then sort of go, oh, oh, there's some ash in there. Hang on. No, I mean the uh, tradition is that it's the ash of the Palm Sunday crosses that you have. You have palm crosses on Palm Sunday uh, mm. given out, and the tradition is it's the you burn those and it's the ash of those. So it has a kind of continuity. I don't know whether uh, my vicar was organised enough to do that didn't really bother me but okay uh, it's it's ash mixed with oil a little bit so that it it becomes you know a, a paste kind of a thing mm. but you're right i mean if they could combine it with some skincare product it would be a double whammy it would be brilliant uh, that's a good idea i can have to yeah. market that um <laughs> so i did that uh but also i started my lent 
planting. Oh, good. Um, I thought this was a brilliant idea of yours. The more I thought about it, the more I wish I'd said more about how good that was last week. Yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah, I've mentioned it to a number of people. I think it is something that I will... I don't know how well I'm going to do it this year because I thought of it so late. Mm. So I'm, we, I've, I'm at the moment. I'm just sort of desperately scrabbling around, working through some old seeds, and we'll see mm. what happens. But, but uh, I, I, I'll look at other ways of, of planting. Maybe sort of uh, pay to plant some trees and that kind of thing. You know, I think it'd be good. Anyway, uh, so I started doing that. Um, oh, and here's the good news. Yeah. Uh, next week I am going overseas for Are the you? first time since COVID. Ah. Oh. That's good. What are you doing overseas? Well, I'm going to the Isle of Wight. Uh, so, uh, for That's a break. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you need a passport. Do you need a passport? No, anyway, I think you uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, going to the Isle of Wight next week. But Very good. Claire's birthday. Love Just the Isle of Wight. Do that. Yeah. Ventnor. I don't know where that is. It's on the bottom, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. Love it. Mm. That's great. You'll see yeah. lots of birds. Maybe a few summer visitors coming back. Lovely. Lovely. Oh, I, now here's here's a question I have got for you, an ethical question. Um, I yesterday I, I I know you're not supposed to announce this, least of all on on a podcast that is literally heard by yeah. seventeen people. Yeah, but I fasted yesterday. Oh well, you've just you've just made Jesus really angry with you. Cause... I know, I know. Well, I could have I could have disguised when I did it. I could, but anyway, I was fasting yesterday. Yeah, and. Uh, I was actually in, in work and the place was just full of cake. I mean, it always happens whenever oh, I'm on I a know. fast day that somehow the world just delivers sugary goodness in my direction. Um, you know, homemade. And anyway, what I wanted to ask was, what's the ethics of it? Is it OK to collect cake and wrap it up for later? Yes. That's all right, is it? Oh, that's of course. not sort of like psychologically breaking your fast because you know you, I don't know. Well, I don't know. It depends if you want to go the whole John the Baptist route in life and eat honey and locusts. But you it was know, baklava, which that. is similar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Still got that crunch. <laughs> <laughs> so to it. I would have, I would have thought if you're going to eat, all you're doing is saving it for a time when you do eat. That's yeah. my Baptist perspective. <laughs> so I snuck a bit of cake and wrapped it up and, Good. and had it today. It was very nice. Good. Great. I've got birthday cake here. You're very welcome to come and help yourself. You know that. Oh, was it your birthday? Yes, it was my birthday. I haven't mentioned it. Good. Hmm. Well, should we go on with some feedback? And we probably shouldn't make this episode too long because you are still in deep trauma. Well, not only am I in deep trauma, trauma but of course because we're recording an hour later we've got soul place starting in literally a matter of minutes not hours now so okay let's move on and we've had a great bit of feedback. well we've had loads of good feedback and again i mm. feel the need to apologize that we we don't read all of it out but we may come to some of it again but mick did write in say a saying about the last episode and he really enjoyed it he said after listening twice no less to such an interesting and thoughtful episode I'm hesitant to be a little critical. He says, but I felt he came across a little bit harsh on the listener who wrote in, reporting his struggle with moving through some of the changes of faith. I felt he slightly missed the point he was making. I did not get the feeling that he wanted to direct the way that other people prayed. It was more the difficulty of being invited by other people to misrepresent one's own position. 
Mm. He says, but I've also uh, found myself feeling very uncomfortable when something goes well and a fellow Christian approaches me and says something like, don't you think that God is wonderful the way he cured my cancer slash secured me that parking space? <laughs> he says, in that situation, I seem to have three options. And this is this is really good by Mick. He says, one, just agree with them giving the impression that I share the view that God is a magician with a magic wand waiting for us to tell him where to wave it. That's uncomfortable. Option two, tell him that I have my doubts as to whether God acts in that way, more honest, but does not seem grateful and probably damages relationships. Option three, just agree that I think God is wonderful, avoiding conflict and technically being honest, but still feeling uncomfortable because I haven't felt that I've been truly honest. It's good that, isn't it? He's, mm, yeah. And he says, life is complicated. Uh, he also gently uh, takes us to task for criticising phrases like, I used to think like that, or I've grown out of that. And he asks, how are we supposed to discuss our spiritual journey honestly without ever sounding superior or judgmental? Now, this is a good question. And uh, he talks about the stages of faith being numbered. And he asks, am I wrong to say that I used to act, think like that, Am I wrong to think that my journey has been one of progression and growth? And if we're always coy about expressing views that differ, are we not hindering other people's journeys? One reason I struggled so long with perplexity was that I had not met Christians being open about this part of their journeys. And he concludes, sorry that this email was such a ramble. I'm really struggling to find my way with this issue. I only have questions, no answers. He said, incidentally, I was not clear whether this was a situation from the past or whether the listener's daughter is still unwell. It'd be nice to have this clarified. He says, I'm really enjoying the podcast. Great to have a forum to engage with these issues. So that is good. So mm. let's respond to some of those uh, things he makes. He does make some really good points, doesn't he? Uh, yes. I uh, On the issue, I think, I believe that the um, listener's daughter is... is better yeah i believe think, that's the case um well i i firstly i would I, I would say that it's a really good email you make some really good points i'm very sorry if it came over that way you know i, I think yeah i felt at the time actually i kind of figured oh maybe that could be listened that way it's 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 kind of hard sometimes um i think the most important pertinent line in in mix email just now is life is complicated yeah. <laughs> i noticed that yeah <laughs> amen brother because <laughs> uh, i think that's the case here um let me just take the um the phrase that i think i could teach which is a sort of a, a stage i've grown out of or that that kind mm. of stage i agree entirely it's very difficult to talk about it i suppose I, i'm just very anxious that um, I, I I don't like Christians who are superior. That's no, my thing. I don't like do I, I don't like people who feel <laughs> that they've got into a better place than you and at any point because I think I've, you know, it's not because I don't think they are. They probably are, <laughs> knowing my own devotional life. But you know, I I just I'm not so wary of it. So this is the challenge: is how do we how do we live with integrity with in terms of what we believe and how we what we believe and how we express it without coming across as sort of more enlightened and yet in many ways i think we probably do feel we're slightly more enlightened than other people we're more enlightened compared to the us we used to be but yeah. perhaps perhaps it's just when you start comparing your enlightenment to others enlightenment that's where the issue drives in and, and i think my simplistic way 
of this is I think you can still use phrases like I've grown out of perhaps I think you can say I used to be stage two but now I'm stage three or four but it's as as we have quoted the theologians banana rama so many times now <laughs> it ain't what you do it's the way that you do it and yeah. I think it ain't what you say it's the way that you say it I think one of the ways perhaps that is the greatest sign of being further on in this spiritual journey is 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 the increase of love and grace and truth and i i think that for me so often the people that really impress me it's not always what they're saying it's the way they're doing it they're so gracious they're so kind they're so loving so i think when we talk about our own journey with other people we do it with a sense of respect and love for the people we're describing it to and as so tonality is really important and perhaps if you're nervous about it you put a disclaimer like we sometimes do look we're just thinking on our feet and please don't take yeah. this as me being superior or anything this is just how the journey's worked in my life this is what i see because i think he's right sometimes it, if you're the person desperate you look to someone and you want them to give you some answers. You want them to say, tell it like it is. And do you know what I mean? If you're desperate, you don't want floweriness. You want a bit of, tell it to me. So yeah. I think it's okay to use direct language sometimes. I, I think that's helpful. I mean, the other thing is that, you know, how do you, that question that, uh, you know, that if you agree, are you somehow... Um, you know, are you being somehow like uh, uh, like a politician? You know, you're not really giving your true opinion. You're just seeking to go along with them or whatever. You know, in terms of those yeah. when people talk to you about their prayer. Yes, life. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think I feel this. The challenge there is I don't want to be that person who is constantly going. Have you really thought this through? You know, <laughs> have you? You know. Yeah. Yes, but is God really like that? And and just as you don't want to be the other person who's always saying god is one thing or another you know we've we've we all suffer from dogmatism so you don't want to have be that that person who is constantly questioning constantly critiquing um i think so you have to you know mix right you have to find a way somehow to um you know to to be pleased for people or to 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 yeah you know enjoy their thankfulness and to without necessarily sort of you know go, bit, losing your own integrity along the way it reminds me actually of uh, paul merson the comedian uh, paul paul merson was a footballer wasn't he actually paul merton paul, paul merton the comedian and uh, he has a phrase um he said he was used to struggle with when you go and see a, a play by a friend with a friend in and uh, the play wasn't very good mm. And of course, you've got to go round afterwards to say something to them because you, they know you're there. And so he, he he used to think, "What on earth do I say?" And he used to go around. And he used to go, "Well, you've done it again." <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, that's good. Yeah, a phrase that sounds so wonderful, but actually means yeah. absolutely nothing. Uh, maybe we maybe we need really nice yeah. sounding get out phrases occasionally. You know. Yeah. Well, I remember Brian McLaren, our dear friend Brian McLaren, doing just that, giving us all a phrase to use. When when people are coming to pick a fight with you or when people are sort of showing off their knowledge, mm. 
but you don't particularly want to engage with them or perhaps you can't perhaps you can't defend mm. your own convictions you know i've certainly found myself in that position arguing with people who know the bible far better than i for example um and he he gave us this phrase he says you can do this you can say wow i see things so differently to you and i and i thought that was a really good yeah, thing so yeah. i I, you know, maybe when someone comes up and, and, you know, something great's happened in your life and they say, isn't God good for doing this for you? you maybe there is a way of just saying, yes, God is good. Yes. Without, maybe we just need to think through a few kind of stock answers where we can actually, you know, feel more peace about that. You're not affirming their decision, but you are, you're agreeing with what you can agree with. And I and I think the the point he was making about you know feeling uncomfortable because it hasn't been truly honest. Look, there, I think there's just lots of times when actually you being truly honest about your own position probably wouldn't be tremendously helpful or get into a debate which you, you don't need to get into. And you know how can can I enjoy other people's faith in a sense that when it's a different position to mine? Um, mm. I think I can. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, thank you, Mick. And again, apologies if we came across as, or if I particularly came across as uh, critical or anything like that. It wasn't the intention. But um, thanks for a great email. Yeah, it was a good email. Okay. Um, shall we talk about Linda and prayer? Why not? Linda says this, dear Joe, <laughs> so I'm glad you mentioned to listen again to episode 104 about prayer for healing. And it's something I continue to struggle with. In 2020, my then 16 year old son went through a harsh course of chemo for aggressive lymphoma. He recovered and is cancer free two years later. This is just a small part of his long health history, starting with when I was pregnant with him. And then uh, she explains quite a number of fairly critical conditions that he had. Which I, mm. And then she says, it seems with every health challenge that comes along, he somehow beats it and emerges stronger. He's not super optimistic, nor of great faith, uh, just an unassuming, shy teenager who's getting ready to graduate and planning his future. We go to church, but don't consider ourselves religious. The fact that I listen to your podcast should give you an idea of my conflicted relationship with God. I think that's a compliment. I'm not really sure. Um, says we have <laughs> tremendous supports and prayers. Has my son done well because of the prayers for healing? I often hear praise God when I return with a good report, as if his healing was a direct result of prayer. Was it? This is where the guilt comes in. Why has my son done so well? I, um, I have seen so many parents whose children have had tragic outcomes. Does this mean that he has a greater purpose and must not waste any opportunity because he's been spared? I guess you can call it survivor's guilt. I do not want to tell others how to pray, as we are grateful for their intentions, but I will remember the prayer Ruth so wonderfully asked for as she battled cancer. If we face another health crisis, I will ask for prayers for strength to walk the journey. Thank you for your podcast. It's given me so much for food for thought and a giggle or two. Linda. Well, thank you, Linda. And thank you mm. for affirming Ruth, who is a very dear friend who I'm hoping to see in a little under 30 minutes now. <laughs> oh, that's the countdown. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but um, but it's right. And, um, 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 you know, for those who haven't listened to episode, what was it, 104 with mm. Ruth, I interviewed her about cancer and how she she was direct with us, who I guess are her church, about how she wanted us to pray for her. Um, mm. That includes not asking for prayer, prayers for healing. Um, so that was good. Well, it sort of ties in um, with the with the previous email, doesn't it, very much, about how you respond to this kind of thing. It's almost like you selected these two 
deliberately because they worked it's together. It's almost like we'd thought about it's a running order. Like no. you thought about the programme. Um, so so I think the question at the end is, you know, about feeling almost guilty about... Yeah, survivor's guilt. ...answered yeah. prayer mm. rather than... Or if it was answered prayer or, yes, or maybe exactly. feeling yeah. guilty about yeah. Yeah. not even thinking it was answered prayer. Yeah. yeah. It's that's a tough one, I think. I think it's it can be very tough actually for the person. I uh, uh, know another instance where uh, sort of a miraculous answer to prayer in the health of a, a young lad, and people were then saying to him, "Well, you know, God's got something special in store for you. That's obviously what's mm. happening here, and you know, you yeah. must never forget this thing." And of course, sort of drifted away really because I don't think he mm. could cope with the pressure of that kind of stuff we we put these expectations on people and 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 of course you know again i perhaps should have said this in response to mick's email you know that for all this sort of moving on a journey with prayer and you know growing and perhaps hopefully getting a bit wiser as we go along we did acknowledge last week and it's worth saying again the immense paradox of it of it all because if you tell me you've got cancer the first thing i'm going to do is cry out to god and ask to heal you now mm. how does that work with all our so-called progressive views I, I'm, I'm not sure but i'm happy to live in the paradox i do know that i'm i'm happy with that um others may feel that that's very you know hypocritical of me but i i'm happy to live with paradox I think it's all about thankfulness, isn't it? Really, mm. I, the more I, at the moment, I really what I'm thinking about so much, uh, you know, um, how to be thankful for for the things that happen in your life or for the good things mm. you've got, without seeking to almost explain them or or mm. find you know a deeper meaning in them than that, than just the sheer um, gratitude for them. I. I it sort of ties back right at the beginning of what you were saying about you know should you should you be feeling you need a holiday at a time when so many people are suffering mm. you know should we feel gratitude for answered prayer when so many people don't get answered mm. prayer yeah um and i think you can do both you know you can be thankful for what for for What's what you see as answered mm. prayer um but you can also you also have to recognize that a lot of people um you know, don't don't get prayers answered either. And there'll be times in your own life when that doesn't happen as well. Mm. Um, and 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 so can you, like you say, can you live in that paradox? Can you live in that mystery? Um, can you can you accept both outcomes? Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, we've got an email from uh, Annette, and this has a wonderful prayer, um, well, poem about prayer by Joy Cowley. She sent it to me. And now listen, it's a bit longer than you probably like, but it's really wonderful. And I just think, you know, in a time when we're on our knees and we really are praying um, for things going on in the world, this this um, pr this prayer, this poem felt really good. So okay. what we do is we're finished with that. That's all right. Yes. When you say it's a bit longer then you'd really, you mean me, don't you? Yes, I do. Yes. I'm looking at you. Yeah. Well, it's just because I don't like listening to you. That's all. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know understand. that you'll be reading it out. You know, <laughs> you can read it out. No, no, no. It doesn't no. have to be no, about you, me. This is how it works. You do the reading out. Um, well, thank you very much. It's always nice to hear from people. Thank you so much to everyone who contributes. Yeah. Um, uh, to the show that's really great and uh, if you wish to email the show you send your email to 
joe at midfaithcrisis.org and if you wish to support the show you can find that on the website which is uh, midfaithcrisis.org and um, yeah thank you very much for listening and we will be back uh, next week I believe yes indeed Um, okay so here's here's the email from Annette uh, who says she's a long time listener and first time emailer and she's uh, writing in from uh, New Zealand so thank you Annette this is prayer by Joy Cowley I think it's kind of funny that we have only one word for prayer when we come to God in so many ways. Sometimes there is the barnstorming prayer, the hammering on the door, the cry of pain or anger from a desperate grief demanding answers. Then there is the prayer for others, a leaning of the heart towards those in trouble, a plea that God will draw them out of their distress. There is the prayer of doubt, the expression of disbelief, throwing off outgrown ideas so that we can see who we really are and the closeness of God's love. There is the prayer of ashes, the cry for forgiveness, accompanied by the relief of truth and the freedom to put burdens down at the side of the road. There is the prayer of celebration, a festive prayer adorned with all kinds of hallelujahs, gratitude waved like a banner from a thank you heart. There is the prayer for guidance, for signposts along the way, to help us understand our giftedness and the steps we need to take on our journey to God. There is the prayer of community, words of a love tradition, falling on us in familiar notes and drawing us into the sacrament of a faith given and shared. There is a prayer of awe when we stand in the presence of the intelligence of the universe, God powerful in distant galaxies and in every cell of our being. There is a prayer of conversation, the everyday talk to God, our friend, who helps to wash our dishes and change the punctured tyre, who is never too big for the detail of lives. There is the prayer of quiet, in that deep well of inner silence, when nothing happens and everything happens, and we are wholly renewed. Then there is the nameless prayer, the prayer of God that comes in stealth, to overwhelm the heart with sweetness, and leave us with knowledge of the love that holds us and goes on holding us, however we pray or forget to pray. <laughs>